This episode of Life Hacks for Working Moms is brought to you by Noodle.com. Noodle is a great online resource that helps you connect with schools, programs, tutors, experts, even summer camps. Decisions about education are so important. So if you're looking for a comprehensive source of education-related information, head on over to Noodle.com as the first stop in your research journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Hacks for Working Moms, the podcast that helps you overcome the overwhelm, embrace the chaos, and cultivate a life you love. My name is Megan Strand, and I am so glad you've tuned in today. We're going to be tackling what I consider to be one of the most important choices you will ever make as a parent, and that's where to send your kiddo to school. My own kids have been raised in a Montessori environment, but that definitely hasn't exempted me from having to make tough choices along the way about joining a school community or leaving one. I've certainly learned a lot in my own personal journey, but I don't know all there is to know about choosing a K-12 school, which is why I've asked Suzanne Podhurst to join me today. Suzanne is editor-in-chief of the education website Noodle. Hey, Suzanne. Hi, Megan. Why don't you start us out today by sharing where you are personally in this school journey? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I have a one-year-old, and we lived in New York City at first, Um, and like a lot of people, I think, who start out in cities, we quickly realized we were going to need more space, so we decided to move to the suburbs. Um, And, you know, we were effectively making our school decision then because we knew we wanted to send our child to a public school, Um, so we looked for towns that had school systems that um, matched the criteria that we were looking for. So for us, that was diversity good student outcomes, good student performance, uh, strong school reputation. And when we found a town that had those things, we essentially made our decision of where to live based on the schools. I can relate because we just did the same thing, but for for the high school level, I just moved about a year ago specifically because I wanted to be in a certain high school district. So I can understand that. But so in your professional role, what you, you know, you see education related content all day long. So what are some of the trends that you see in this issue of where we're choosing to send our kids to school? So overall, we're seeing more choice. There are more options available to families and families are exercising Um, more of those options. Um, That being said, you know, my family is like a lot of families, like your family, um, which is, you know, for the vast majority of American families, children will attend public schools. And for most of those families, children will attend the public schools they're assigned to based on where they live. Um, So that's not to say that those families don't have choices. Many families do what mine did or what yours did, um, which is make those choices earlier on with the hope that you won't have to reevaluate those choices and then with the knowledge that you really can if you need to. And increasingly, um, as school choice options become more numerous, you have more opportunities to send your kid to a public school outside of your home district or to a magnet school um, or even to a private school that in some cases you can get public funds um, to offset the tuition of. What are some of the what are some of the things that parents should be considering as they're thinking about schools and whether they're choosing a private school or a charter school or a public school? What are some of the most important questions you feel people should be asking? One of the first things that they should be thinking about is um, not limiting their options based on, you know, just only public schools, um, as, as school choice options become more numerous and, you know, they vary very much on a state-by-state basis, um, families may, in fact, have opportunities to send their kids, you know, beyond the district schools um, through open enrollment, which will allow parents to send their kids to schools in other districts or to magnet schools. About 15% of kids in, across the country um, go to schools that 
are beyond the ones they're zoned for. Um, and also through private school choice programs like voucher programs or tuition tax credits where you can actually get money to offset um, the cost of tuition or transportation. So when you do a school search, don't rule out the private if you think you can't afford them. There may be a school choice program that will, that will help offset those costs. You know, once you're actually narrowing down the list and you're looking, there are a bunch of, a bunch of things that, that you should consider. Um, you know, this being life hacks for working moms. Um, uh, we've kind of put together a few hacks that we think will be helpful for families. Because, um, awesome. of course, you can't know what it's like to attend a school until you actually attended one. Right. Um, but there are, some, there are some good indicators that a school will be a fit for your child. One of those is to start by reading the school's mission statement. You know, a school will tell you about its, its ethos and the environment that it creates. Um, and so we encourage parents to take that to heart. Um, you know, does the mission statement include words like nurturing and caring, or does it include words like discipline or diligence and respect, um, which can really help you take the temperature of the school. That's so interesting because I, I, I don't, I honestly don't even know the mission statement of my own school. How bad is that? But that's, that's an interesting (laughs) place to start because, you know, you're right. They probably have put a lot of thought into their mission statement for people like me that don't read it. Um, and, and that can really share that character of the school. That's, I'm going to literally go look up the mission statement of my kid's school now after this. I I bet you won't be surprised by it. I bet it, I bet it will align with your experience. I hope that, I hope that turns out to be true. Okay, so mission statement, that's a great place to start. Okay, what else can parents be be thinking about? One concept I love is walking the walls. Um, I'm borrowing this idea from um, a a North Carolina school district's practice of having administrators do these three-minute walkthroughs periodically. One of our our Noodle authors um, found found out about that, and and it's it really applies absolutely to what parents and prospective families can be doing. Um, so that is to say, see what teachers put on the walls, look at what students are working on, um, how students represent their work, what teachers think is important to display. Um, and you can really get a sense of what day-to-day life is like at a school by walking the walls. You know, these are the walls that your kids would be looking at every single day. That's an, that's an interesting concept. And I was actually so like I said, my kids have been in private schools and private schools are very different with how they approach school tours than public schools, at least in my area, because I, you know, kind of went to my local public school. I'm like, oh, I want to take a tour during the day when the kids in the, in the classroom. And they were like, oh yeah, we don't do that. So <laughs> you can still walk the walls. It just has, at least where I am, it just has to be when there aren't kids there. But you're right. That's, it's kind of like, um, the hieroglyphics of the school to tell the story of, of who the kids are. I love, I love that idea. So what else should people be asking? So we're walking the walls, we're looking at mission statements. Take a look at how classrooms are arranged and look at the overall school environment. Like, are the desks in rows? Are they in circles? Are they in pairs? Does it seem like students are encouraged to speak freely as thoughts occur to them? Or is there a really structured environment where students have to raise their hands and be called upon? Um, is there a strict dress code? Does it seem like students are getting lots of individualized attention? And there's no right or wrong with any of these things. Some, you know, set of circumstances suit some kids better than others. So some kids really thrive on structure, um, and others really prefer to have a little bit more freedom. And so you know your child best, um, and you can just get a sense of whether the environment is a good fit for your child's temperament. That's perfect. And I actually, I like doing that in an observation format, but everything you just listed, I think is important to ask too, you know, because I was surprised when I was touring around, even some of the public schools, they would say, oh, well, this is a three, four blend classroom. And I was like, oh, I didn't think public schools did that. But in fact, you know, I'm in the Montessori model, they do that all day long. It's all combined. So those are really important questions to ask too, even if you don't 
um, have the opportunity to observe. So I love that. We'll put that in the show notes too. And on a related note, you know, you want to ask about the curriculum. Like, is this a school that is employing things like flipped classrooms, which is, you know, where you watch a video of a lecture at home and then you come in to do what would traditionally have been your homework, like problem solving in class with a teacher. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. It's really cool. So you want to know, you know, what are the things your children are going to be learning and how are they going to be learning them? That's interesting. So with that flipped classroom, it's called a flipped classroom. Mm-hmm. So what what grade levels have, are you seeing that in all grade levels? I think it can be used in all grade levels. Um, I think it's particularly effective in younger grade levels. Mm. Um, when, you know, a lot, you, you hear often, you know, the complaint from parents that like they, parents have, you know, three hours of homework every night or something. Oh, geez. So a flipped classroom really allows the teacher to get a sense of what the kids are internalizing and to really help them cultivate their, their problem-solving skills. That's fascinating. That's a whole other episode, Suzanne, on like homework and parental involvement, but let's not go there today because we've, <laughs> we've got some other questions to, to address. So what, what other things should people be asking? You want to think about the things that your child needs too. So you want to look at numbers, things like student-teacher ratios, Um, graduation rates, uh, class sizes. Um, You want to know how students are doing on standardized tests, but you want to also keep in mind, I think, that that's just one piece of the puzzle. You know, at Noodle, we have K-12 report cards that rate schools on things like climate, you know, which includes factors about attendance rates, dropout rates, bullying, other things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And depending on where you live, you can actually sometimes get statistics about the things that are important to your family online. So, Some states, and a really great example is Nevada, have really amazing online databases that have stats on a wide range of things. Like you can find out um, stats about bullying and other disciplinary matters and most anything you could actually think to ask broken down on a school-by-school basis. That's, you know, an incredible resource for, for parents who, you know, maybe they know that, for instance, their child has struggled with bullying in the past. So if you can find out what those rates are at the schools you're considering, that might have a real impact on your decision. Yeah, no, and I love that. And, you know, two things there that from, from personal experience, asking how they deal with disciplinary issues is very telling about the culture of the school. Because I went to one school and I was like, okay, this is really scary. Like the way that they handled it was so militaristic. And I was like, oh, I cannot like this. I I, I don't anticipate my kids being a disciplinary issue, but holy cow. I mean, it was very <laughs> scary to me. And then the other thing about numbers that I feel is really important is that teacher ratio piece. And that's something, I don't know if you're hearing about this on your end, but on our end, I mean, for me, that's probably one of the number one reasons I send my kids to a private Montessori school is the teacher ratio. I mean, it's right. really interesting watching those numbers creep up, creep, up, creep up in the classroom where you have 30 kids and one teacher. Just, I can barely handle two kids. I can't imagine a teacher trying to handle 30. It makes you have a lot of respect for what oh, teachers do. absolutely. I could never yeah. be a teacher. Absolutely. So, okay, all important things. Um, so, um, so just to dovetail on what you were saying about yeah. you know, student-teacher ratio. So one thing that I think, you know, parents might consider too, um, that millions of families across the country send their kids to religious schools, even if they themselves are non-practitioners, because those schools tend to have favorable student-teacher ratios, Um and they tend to have more stability, meaning that like you'll be with the same set of um, students and parents, often from K all the way through 12. Right. Um, and then private schools in general and religious schools as, um, as well tend to have higher graduation rates. So, you know, these are things to, you know, to keep in mind about when you're thinking about what's a good fit for your child and where your child might fare best. 
Absolutely. And that's a great point. And I do, at least where I am, the religious-based schools tend to be a little bit more affordable. Many of them get subsidies. Um, Some of them don't pay rent, for example. You know, at least in in my area, there are a couple that um, kind of tag along to a a religious community. So yeah, all important. Um, What are are the things that, that things that people should be considering? I'm just so, so many of these, we had, we had talked a little bit beforehand that you said some of these were pretty obvious, but I feel like everything we've talked about so far is maybe not so obvious. Obviously you want to talk to current families. And one question to ask is what do they say would make someone a good fit for the school? Not just Mm -hmm. what they like and don't like about it, but you know, who do they think is an ideal student to attend this school? Oh, that's a great question. That'll be very telling about who they see as um, sort of typifying the, the student body at a particular institution. And I think it's also important to note that, you know, you can always make a change. So let's say you make a choice and then you're like, oh, that's just not the right one for my child. It's not set in stone. And increasingly, um, as school choice options become more pervasive, you have more and more choices you can make and more people are making choices. So it won't be the case that your child is the only one who didn't attend the same set of schools over the course of their educational career. That is so true. And I, um, I wouldn't say I had the good fortune of changing schools, but we were in a situation where we did have to change schools. And you know what, my kids are happier now than they than they were before we had to move them. And it ended up being fine. I mean, yes, it's a lot of struggle and strife. But um, that's a really great point that, you know, kids tend to be a little bit more resilient than we give them credit for. Um, and we, you know, it's probably more a disappointment on our end. Like, Oh, we, we had chosen this one school for them to go to for the next 22 years. And now it's now they've changed boundaries. It happens in public schools too, right? Like they'll change boundaries or yeah. So yeah, kids tend to be pretty resilient. I definitely feel like we often give two sort of seemingly conflicting sets of advice. And the first piece of advice is, this is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. You really need to take it seriously. <laughs> and then the other one is, and don't worry well, about it. but it's okay. If, if it doesn't turn out to be a good fit, you can always make a change. Um, and and um, paradoxically, they're both true, right? Like it is a really important decision and you can make another decision if it turns out that your child has needs that you didn't anticipate. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because that's another consideration, right? Absolutely. So, There are factors that you may not immediately consider. So I would say chief among these is um, special education services. So certainly if you know your child has a learning disability, um, then you're probably already looking for a school that can provide, you know, the necessary supports and accommodations. Um, But if you're like me and your child is still at at a pre-reading level, um, you might not know, for instance, if your child has dyslexia. And one in five people do have dyslexia, so um, your child may, in fact, turn out to have dyslexia, and you may not discover that until she starts reading. Um, So it's just worth asking, you know, what are the services available at schools that you're considering? Um, As a general note, public school systems are required to evaluate and, if necessary, provide what are called individualized education plans, or IEPs, for students with learning disabilities. And they're also required to provide um, 504 accommodations, which are things like wheelchair access ramps or extra time on tests. And private schools are required to provide the 504 accommodations, but not the evaluation and and IEP administration. But that being said, you know, you'll want to ask if you're considering, for instance, a public school, are these services provided at this school or do you send students to a school in another district? Or in some cases, a public school will send students to private schools and um, and they'll cover the tuition if those private schools are better able to serve 
um, students with learning disabilities. So it's wow. just good to know what would happen yeah. um, in the event that your child were to need extra support. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I have a kiddo with, with that exact situation. We found out that she has dyslexia, but not until the fourth grade. Um, and it's, you know, some of these things don't manifest until they're older and, you know, third, fourth, I, I would think I'm speaking a little bit out of school here, but some of these, some of these things start to manifest a little bit older. Um, right. and so those are, that's a great question that I wish I had asked because now we're in a situation where we're in a private school that doesn't provide, um, special education services and are having to go to our public school to get some of those services, which is fantastic that we have that option, but it's, um, not something I ever would have asked. Right. So great question to ask. Well, parent, parenthood is so full of surprises. So <laughs> yeah, right. Everything's yes. Your children are just full of surprises, aren't they? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Whether you're considering a new school, trying to find a tutor or looking for answers to your tough education questions, Noodle can help. When you log into noodle.com, one of the cool things you can do is enter your zip code to access Noodle's K through 12 school reports. As a parent who's been through the intensive process of scouring the area for just the right school for my kids, I can tell you how valuable these reports really are. Unlike other websites that only provide you with the school's standardized test score, Noodle School Reports aggregates all sorts of interesting data to give you a more complete picture of the educational experience your child would have there. Whether you're looking for a school that offers basketball or ballet, or maybe both, you can do a fully customizable targeted search on noodle.com. We all know there's no one-size-fits-all solution to education. Noodle helps you make confident decisions about the educational options that would be the best fit for your child. Check them out at noodle.com. What other things are, are maybe not as obvious? Consider the leadership of the school. How do administrators interact with teachers? How is the administration viewed by teachers, parents, and students? Um, is the school financially stable? Like, will it be open when your child graduates? Will it be open when your child's siblings matriculate? Um, those are things I think that, you know, I at least would have potentially assumed, well, you know, the school's here, of course it's financially stable, or of course, the, you know, it's governed by, by people who are well-regarded, but that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah. And unfortunately I have a little bit of a personal situation that I, that's related to that. And I think this question is very important because when I was first shopping around for schools, I never asked that question and then got our family into a situation where we had sort of a failing school and had no idea. Like they, they literally had no governance, even though on paper they did. Um, so these are questions that I would never have thought to ask the first time around. But when I was sort of shopping again for my second bout of school shopping, that was the first question I asked was, let me see the financials, who governs this place? I mean, it's crazy the the questions that you'll ask once you've been through a personal situation. So I'm, th I'm very thankful you brought that up because it is important. Probably not as much with a public school, but certainly when you're considering those private schools or even charter schools, I would, I would think it'd be important as well. Absolutely. And also, you know, look at the school board and, um, absolutely the, of the school board and how active is the school board and, um, and does the school board seem to be acting in the interests of the district and the students there? Yes. And that's a great point, particularly from the public school standpoint, because they, they could be going down paths that you do, you don't fundamentally agree with. Um, and that's important to consider too. Absolutely. Excellent point. And that's another thing that would seem tangential to your child's everyday classroom experience. But if, for instance, there isn't funding to buy the necessary supplies or, um, or if, 
teachers are, you know, really good teachers are being fired because of salary caps or, you know, any number of factors that you might not be thinking about as relating to the immediate experience of your child in the classroom may in fact have a huge impact on, on what your child's day-to-day experience is like. You know what I'm just laughing about in my head? Like, I'm sure I was like one of the top neurotic parents that came in with a long list of questions, <laughs> but people listening to this podcast, when they go in, they're going to be like, wow, this parent is on the ball. They have the most amazing questions. So you should absolutely like type these out and bring them with you to to your next <laughs> school interview. It's <laughs> awesome. And then you can win the award. The that's right. The most you, questions, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> right. These are important things though. They're you know, really important things. And half the things you're like, I wish I would have asked about that. And you just don't think to. So that's why, that is why we're doing this podcast. All absolutely. right. We've got a couple more things to cover. What What else? You know, we think we were talking earlier about teachers and how hard their jobs are and how what a huge impact they have and I can say from my own personal experience I still think about and use daily some of the lessons that my best teachers taught me you know 20 or more years ago Um, so their jobs are so important and we think of teaching as being a calling and it is a calling but it's also a job and so you know you want to know whether teachers have high levels of job satisfaction so a few ways that you can kind of discern that is to see how administrators and teachers interact, you know, do teachers feel supported by the administration or is there an antagonistic relationship there? You can look at teacher turnover rates, you know, do we have a lot of teachers who stay on for five or more years or do you see sort of a revolving door where every year or two teachers are um, are turning over? Are teachers well paid? Often you can, especially for public schools, you can actually find out teacher salaries and, hmm. um, and you know, teachers do really hard work and if they're well compensated for their work and they feel supported by the administration, um, and they are active members of the school community, um, like they take on advising extracurriculars and they mentor students. Those are all really great signs that teachers have high job satisfaction. And job satisfaction among teachers, I think, really correlates with um, rich experiences among students. Absolutely. That's such a great point. And I, I remember when I was neurotically touring high schools when my children were in sixth grade because we were considering moving. Um, I had a friend who had a teacher in a high school I was considering and she was a wealth of knowledge. You know, she, I was, it was kind of like secondhand through this other teacher, but I would have her ask this teacher certain questions and it was very telling. They, their teachers definitely ha- set the tone for the school and have such great insight into the school. So that, Absolutely. that whole teacher piece is really important. Um, well, and on that note, parents are important too, right? Yes. Yeah, so a school should be, ideally a really great fit for your child, but it should be a really great fit for your family. So we were sort of joking before that parents have, you know, three hours of homework a night. (laughs) In some districts with really active PTAs, you know, parents might have like 10 hours of volunteering a week. And, you know, maybe that's the kind of thing that you're looking for and that you want to have um, a really engaged school community and you want to be a part of that. Um, But maybe you don't have the time or the inclination to do those things. And so it's just important to ask about, you know, what are the expectations of of parental involvement, you also wouldn't want your child to be the only one in the class whose parent wasn't as involved as everyone else's. Right. So really striking the right balance of finding a level of engagement um, that, you know, works for you and that sort of aligns with um, what you envision in terms of your involvement in the community. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, something you would, I, I don't know, probably never think of if you hadn't been in a, in a community where you had been asked to volunteer before. So another great okay. question. And I mean, also, you want to know whether like school trips are chronically underfunded and whether there's a parent community that, um, you know, that ensures that they are in fact funded or whether 
or whether students just miss out on certain opportunities. Or you're going to be doing a ton of bake sales to pay for that school bus trip. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And whether that's okay with you. Yeah. (laughs) Are you a good baker? This is the number one question (laughs) you'd be asking. Or a good good buyer from the bakery. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that. That's funny. Um, So any other things that we haven't covered that we should be asking? There are two things I think that we should, um, I think are worth noting. And one also relates to parents which is that, you know, we talked about earlier the um, the sort of hacks or proxies for determining, you know, whether a school is going to be a good fit for your child. One really imperfect proxy for a quality education is the parent experience. So what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes you'll send your child to a school um, where teachers respond to every email within, you know, 24 hours and where you, know, you get reports on what your child is doing either daily or weekly or, you know, at at very regular intervals. That, I think, creates a very positive parent experience, but that doesn't necessarily correlate with a positive child experience. It may, but, you know, resources at schools, both in terms of time and money and teacher hours, those are limited. So a school may be investing all of its resources in creating a really awesome experience for your child. So then there may not necessarily be resources left to create a really awesome experience for you. Or by the same token, a school may invest all of its resources in creating a really awesome parent experience that doesn't necessarily translate to an awesome child experience. Now, it can, but the parent experience is not always indicative of a child's experience at the school. So that's just something to keep in mind in both directions. That's so funny you say that because my brother has has children that are much younger than mine and they're kind of in that preschool age and they literally left a preschool because they were like, yeah, there's a lot of like coffees and yoga classes for the parents, but we don't understand what they're doing for the kids. So that's a really, really great point because schools know, especially in the private side, schools know that their, their customers are their parents. And so they're trying to keep them happy. But really at the end of the day, school should be about your kid and what's happening in the classroom. So I love that. That's a really, that's a really important one to keep on your radar screen. Right. But you also need to know your level of comfort. Like if you're a parent who, you know, there is a certain point at which for instance, I personally am willing to let certain things go and, you know, there's certain things I can go without knowing, but there are other things that I really feel like, no, I have to know about this and I need to have more information. So, you you know, it's worth knowing your own threshold and whether the school is a fit for what, you know, what you and your child both need. It's very much about finding a fit, I think, for your family overall. And what's the last one that, that we need to be thinking about? You had said there were two more. Yeah. So the last one is sort of related, you know, just to keep in mind that no school is perfect. No situation is perfect. There will always be things that you don't like. There will always be aspects of their education that your children struggle with. What's really important is finding the right fit. So it's not the perfect fit, but it's just the, it's just a fit that aligns in the most number of places. So you want to find a situation that works well for your family, where your kids are able to pursue things that matter to them, where they're able to excel, where they can address challenges productively, where they feel supported, and then ideally where they'll be well-positioned for the next steps in their educational lives. That is such a great point. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. And it's like the perfect way to kind of tie a bow on this entire episode, because you're so right. I mean, my kids are in fifth and seventh grade. Have they been in perfect environments? No. Have they been in good environments? Yes. Does it matter, you know, year to year, depending on your child and the teacher? Absolutely. So I think that's such a great point. And, you know, back to your point that, 
well, this is such a, you know, it's such a heavy decision. It's so important, but don't worry about it because you can always change. I mean, it's, right. <laughs> it, it is a little bit of a give and take here. And if you're looking for the perfect school, I can almost guarantee you're not going to find it. So right. <laughs> it's, it's looking for the best school for, for you and your family and your stage in life. And, you know, having a little bit of flexibility and knowing that that might change from year to year. Absolutely. You know, school is, it's preparation for life and there's no perfect situation in life either. Um, but you want to find the most perfect that you can and the best fit. Um, and you want to find a place where your kids, your kids will be well supported, where, where they'll learn and they'll be happy. That's fantastic. Well, we'll have you back on in 13 years and you can let us know how that journey has been for your, <laughs> for your daughter. That's awesome. Well, where can people find out more about you or about Noodle? We do have, um, we're going to do some great show notes and you guys have done a great blog about things you should consider when choosing a K-12 school. So I'll definitely link to that in the show notes, but where can people find out more about you and Noodle? You can find out more on our website. Just go to noodle.com. Excellent. Thanks so much for being here today. And thank you for joining us today for Life Hacks for Working Moms. You can, of course, find this podcast on iTunes. I do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can also find Life Hacks at my website, lh4wm.com. And on behalf of Suzanne and myself, we'd like to thank you so, so much for joining us today. And we'll see you next time. <music>